Hey, buddy. What's up? Uh, let's see. Where's my video? Oh, hey, there face. There you um, are. Not that we want this one. Oh, the side one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Hold on. Where's my druff? Hey, welcome to the show. Um, nice to be back from a break. We're going to talk about a little road trip I did with Alex Ansel. Um, funny guy from Texas originally. We took a trip to Texas, among other stops, and I got to ask him, and we talk about mainly going on the road, your first road trip shows, um, how you felt, how he, or how he felt, and, you know, when is a good time to take your act on the road? And let's get into this. Oh, look at your background. Oh, you got a haircut and everything, too, huh? Uh, well, you know, got to look good for Boo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got your ears lowered, I see. My ears? Your ears lowered. It's another one. It's, a, it's an old man way of saying uh, something your grandpa would say if, after getting a haircut. Ah, I got your ears lowered. Because okay. of the hair? The okay, hair but... goes away and the ears get... Okay. <laughs> it makes sense now, now that you explain oh, it. Boy. There we go. Yeah, let's go ahead. Oh, man. uh, So first, thank you for uh, doing this. Yeah, at least I could do. Uh, Second, like your room looks pretty damn cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I I do a lot of streaming and stuff from this little setup here and uh, hopefully start uh, launching my my little YouTube projects here and there and uh, be on the lookout for Ansel Culture. Ooh. Yeah, let's let's, uh, tackle some shit and... uh, and uh, all the episodes, I'll be in blackface and uh, or a charcoal mask. That's what we're okay. calling it because uh, it'll be for the beauty tips. So that's yeah, how we're starting. Right. It'll be good that. for the skin, definitely. To- to- yeah. Totally. Yeah, I got yeah. a lot of skin. So, you know, like for different chins, I'll have different layers of the masks. Oh, and so uh, get charcoal, those limestone. <laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be the whole Grand Canyon. It'll be very <laughs> uh, for any geologist watching. They'll uh, they'll get a kick out of it awesome awesome all right well uh again thanks for the show i don't, yeah. I don't know if you've seen episodes um you yeah, know I've, seen what... them on, I've seen them on youtube and i subscribe to it on itunes that's what i'm talking about everybody follow his lead yeah uh so uh let's get to it because i know you got a you got a uh, la comedy club at six so let's get I into sure this do. yeah first question yes sir you do comedy right yeah i mean sure why not yeah <laughs> i do comedy uh i guess i'd consider myself a comedian uh, I, one thing I would always do or try to keep in mind because I have such a great respect of comedy. Uh, I didn't consider myself a comedian until I got my first like club gig with a paycheck until I got my first paycheck as a comedian from a comedy club. Uh, I was just like, yeah, I do comedy. And now that, you know, I've been, uh, you know, it's been more than 10 years of getting checks from comedy clubs. I'm like, yeah, I'm a comedian. So I'm a comedian that does comedy. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. That's an interesting take because I've heard people talk about yeah. when do you call yourself a comedian? So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Take. Uh, and also it's like, um, I, I don't know if it's like nitpicky or gate gatekeeping, but it's like, what do you put on your taxes? You know what I mean? I feel like if you're a cashier at somewhere and that's your main form of income, uh, are you still a comedian? Uh, you know what? I just have such a great respect for stand-up comedian for stand-up comedy and stand-up comedians that, it takes uh, a lot to just, uh, you know, make your solo living or uh, if that's your solo income from it, it, it takes a lot 
of hustle grind and showing up to places and, and, and putting in that work to be able to, um, you know, uh, uh, be financially stable and be able to pay your bills through that primary source of income of doing comedy. But, uh, you know, it's not to knock people that do that have day jobs and shit, but I feel like once you're able to quit that day job and just do fully common, uh, fully, you know, uh, be a comedian, then that that's when you're, uh, you know, a true stand-up comic and, 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 you know, can list it as your profession. That's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. There's other people out there that are like, oh, I make people laugh and I'm a comedian. And it's like, no, you have an Instagram account. There's a big difference. All right. Not every chick with a phone is a goddamn model, you know? True. True. So, that's a good way to look at it. Let's go ahead and distinguish oh. it. I like it. Oh, All yeah. right. So you mentioned you've been doing it for 10 years. Um, yeah. Like 10 plus ask, years. Yeah. So I like to ask like how you got started. Like what made you decide let me do comedy and then tell me about the first time you did it, your experience and everything. Oh, for sure. Um, well, I've always had a great respect and love of comedy. And uh, I was the type of kid I always had Comedy Central on in the background when I was doing homework and or, you know, I would just be in my room and I'd play <laughs> this. <laughs> Again, uh, my dad uh, was a um, electronics uh, department manager. And so I at one point I had like two or three TVs in my room and it almost looked like one of those. Uh, hacker rooms that you'd see in old movies because i'd have a couple screens in a room and one would be hooked up to the nintendo 64 one would be hooked up to a playstation the others hooked up to tv so i'd have one on comedy central one on you know playing a wrestling video game um i, I was you know uh growing up big I, I was always you know one of the biggest if not the biggest kid in, in class wherever i went so i kind of used humor as my defense mechanism and uh just i you know, I always loved making people laugh. And I got tired of people telling me I should do stand-up comedy. And my first kind of like um, dipping my toe in the water of doing comedy was uh, Last Comic uh, Standing came through San Antonio. This is probably like 06. And um, I tried to go to it, but, you know, I didn't know at the time, oh, no, you had to be an established comic. I just went in there like, you know, green as snake shit thinking, oh, I could just waltz in and try out for uh, Last Comic Standing. No. That's not the way it worked. And, uh, and then I kind of looked into how do I start comedy? Well, go to open mics, you know? So I went to the, the club show down in uh, San Antonio at the River Center Comedy Club and watched some of the free showcases that they had there. They had a midnight showcase and uh, kind of talked to the comics and I was like, hey, how do I do this? And they told me, um, you know, go to an open mic. And I did my first open mic in September of 2007. And I actually did two open mics in one night. I did a 5 p.m. open mic at the at my home club, the River Center Comedy Club. And then I did a 9 p.m. show in Austin, which is about an hour and a half away. And I just kind of, you know, stood there, read my jokes off an index card. And I had enough sense that I, I knew I was a fan of comedy enough to know that comedians would do multiple shows a night. And I thought, all right, if I'm going to try this comedy thing, I'm going to do, you know, two open mics in one night. And this is like my my you know, toss me in the deep end type stuff and uh, did okay in San Antonio. Uh, the the other comics there were pretty receptive. I was getting pointers and, and, you know, they told me to come back next week and they showed me where the other open mics are. This is back in like MySpace day. And then in Austin, uh, they weren't as welcoming and they were kind of like shitty towards me. And and they're like, who the fuck is this guy? And and I didn't get the same, you know, uh, uh you know, in San Antonio, it's just like, oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, let's do this. And in Austin, I was like, uh, who, who are you? What are you doing here? You, you don't belong here. It was a real, like, mean girls vibe. 
and every once in a while um and then even some of them trash me on on myspace online which i thought was dumb why would you trash someone after they try something for the first time and every once in a while i remember the the main person i look him up and i see what he's doing and he's not doing comedy anymore and i still am motherfucker i'm over here in vegas doing shows on the strip bitch nice nice so uh yeah yeah (laughs) okay so all right so the first uh the first san antonio mic went well do you remember any do you remember one of those jokes at all um i do i think i did uh well one of the jokes i still actually do it's like uh why are they calling me kool-aid you know i don't call myself kool-aid because i want little kids to like me i call myself kool-aid because i want little black kids to like me oh okay Uh, so that's from the original yeah that and i did i did another one where i was like what's the difference between a special ed kid and a skateboarder a special ed kid is smart enough to wear a helmet (laughs) that was another one and then just a couple like you know kind of like very derivative kind of like oh that's you know that's kind of like a a a diet coke version of this joke or oh hey that's like a great value version of that joke and and a lot of a lot of that stuff was kind of derivative and so is everyone when they first start out and then uh you know through the years and and whatnot you kind of find your own voice and and the more comedy you watch you're like oh oh they do something similar let me let me make mine more unique or let me just drop it all together. Let me, you know, do something else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like a, it's not like my first time there. I fucking crushed it, killed it. What's up? Where's my shot? No, I just went, eh, that was okay. You know, and I'm one of these people. I was, I don't really get nervous in front of crowds. I'm super comfortable talking to people, you know, to, uh, you know, I did uh, retail sales for 10 years before I did comedy. And so I had no problem like approaching people or, or being looked at and, and, when you're my size and I've always been big, I've always been looked at and stared at and, and now performing, it's like, well, let me give you something to look at. You know, let me give you a reason to look. Uh, that's the way I kind of look, uh, look at it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Did you go back the next week after your open mic or did you like Actually, wait a little bit? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I remember going back and uh, you know, just making friends with the, with the comics and the guys that I started out with around then and, and going to other shows and independent shows and, and, um shows at different like restaurants and then open mics at different bars and i even remember i think i was a year into doing comedy before somebody told me hey you know you can watch the the shows at the comedy club for free because you're you're doing the open mics and you're doing this and that and i was like what because before i was like ah, i don't have 15 bucks to you know i barely had money to buy like a beer i'd get like a soda and then tip a couple bucks but i don't really have the the money to like pay for tickets and and shit and and like I said, that's when they went, yeah, you could just like go in and go see the show, talk to the manager. And I remember that being like, oh shit, hell yeah. So that would become a part of the routine would be Friday nights. So you'd um, go do the 5 p.m. open mic, stick around, watch the first show. And then after that, you know, go see if there's another independent show or, or go hang out with some comics elsewhere and go write somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was way back in like uh, 07, 08, 09. And then I did my first comedy competition in 2010 uh that was sponsored by the club and at this point the comedy club in san antonio opened a second location they opened the laugh out loud comedy club this big warehouse of a building uh kind of closer to the airport and uh entered that and uh did (laughs) did really well and ended up uh winning that competition and it it felt pretty good to think of like oh cool my first comedy competition i won because i remember the night of the finals my dad asked me 
he goes, oh, hey, how long are you going to keep doing this comedy thing? Because uh, apparently I have a history of like, oh, let me see. I always have great ideas and great intentions. And I'm like, I want to do this and this and that. And then follow through is, is kind of like one of my um, <laughs> weak points. But I just remember telling my dad, you know what? I really have fun doing comedy and I'm going to keep doing it and see what happens and see where it takes me. And then that night ended up winning, you know, $500 check and a giant trophy. And, and then I started getting offers for all kinds of other gigs. And, and I was smart enough to know how much time I had. Cause uh, I won the competition with like seven minutes and then I was getting offers to headline. And I was like, I don't have that much time. And I'm glad I had enough sense to be like, you know, Oh, Hey, I can probably do 2025, but I don't have a full 45 to an hour. And then I found out when I went to some of these places and I did my 2025, they go, what the fuck, man, you could do an hour. You could, you're great. You should, when you come back, you're going to do longer. I was like, okay. But you know, I didn't, I rather sell myself short and over deliver than oversell myself and then shortchange it, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great way of doing anything. You know, like you, you don't want to say, yeah, I'll headline do an hour. And then you're like, I, there goes my 12 minutes, you know? So that's yeah, good. Like, uh, yeah, should yeah. I start my set over? Uh, <laughs> Did you get the first joke? Okay. Yeah. In my notes, people laughed longer. So eat up that time, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> cool. That's cool. So your first competition, like three years into comedy then. Yeah. That was and, the first competition. And really like the first two years of me doing comedy, I didn't really take it too seriously. It, it was like for, for me, I kind of looked at it as like a social thing and, and for some of that time, I would I didn't show up consistently, and I was going through some stuff in life and doing a lot of drinking. And then I kept just kept getting encouraged by the guys that I started out with. Uh, you know, like uh, there was a guy named Javier Balzadu. He's still out there in San Antonio, my good buddy. And he's like, "Hey, when are you coming back out? You're funny." Da da da. And then uh, I got an offer to do this one promoter. Just always loved me and stayed in touch with me. And he goes. Hey, I got this offer at this new venue and they want to do a weekly comedy show. And you're the first person I thought of. And I was like, well, I really haven't done it in a while. And that kind of like forced me to kind of like shake the rust off and get back into it. And it was actually uh, when I was kind of prepping for those shows, I was doing the comedy club open mic and I did well during one of the Fridays and the manager approached me and he goes, Hey, uh, he goes, we don't have an MC tonight. Do you want to do it? And I regrettably, went, Oh no, there's no way I'm ready for it. You know, there's no way I'm ready for it. And one of the, the old heads, and I mentioned his name on the trip we were just on Tommy Munoz, Tommy Munoz goes, you say yes to every gig, you know, in the beginning you say yes to every stage opportunity, because if you fuck up, it's their fault for booking you. <laughs> and that just like, that was like a mind blowing moment. So ever since then, um, you know, uh, you know, you want to say yes to every gig and then, you know, a couple of years down the line, uh, you'll be able to, when you can start saying no to gigs, that's another like power trip of like, no, this one's, you know, not my time, not my energy, or, or I know what I'm worth or, um, you know, things like that. So when you can start saying no to gigs, which I, you know, I've been able to do here and there i mean i still don't say no to a lot of gigs but that's like another like i i think a milestone you know yeah that's cool that's i was kind of thinking that like at what point do you can you start saying no because you definitely i mean you don't want to like pass up even like I me mean, for me it's especially like any guest spot like all right i'll take it you know 
Um, it's probably five, six minutes, just like an open mic, but at least it's yeah. more eyes, you know? And yeah, where you're at, you, you want to go for the experience. It's like, Hey, you're what two less than two years in and you already done shows in Texas and you already done shows in Arizona. You already done shows what in Utah and California. And that's a lot for somebody under two years to get those many States underneath your belt. And, um, you know, now, and then you have different, uh, experiences and, and things to draw from, and you kind of get a better idea of like, oh, this is what it's going to be like uh, on the road. And, and plus you get the camaraderie of hanging out with other comics and then watching comics that you've seen a bunch before, you know, like this last weekend when we were hanging out, traveling across the country, you know, you've, you've seen me before you've seen Adam before Adam Dominguez, previous uh, guest. And then you got to see how we work in a different environment. And I'm sure, um, you saw some of the differences or, or saw how we handle certain things. And, uh, you know, that, that just kind of, uh, goes along with it. Yeah, no, very true. I did notice, um, uh, cause we saw Stephen Briggs, uh, we saw exactly. Kabir, but Kabir was my first time. So I don't really have much experience, but I saw, you know, Stephen and it, I've seen him at a backstop, you know, yeah, I've seen him at the, the don't tell shows and I've seen you multiple times. Like I said, I've seen Adam multiple times. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Different every now and then the energy's a little bit different, the feeling the crowd, whatever the rough nights, who cares, whatever it is. It's a little <laughs> bit different. But then you notice like, all right, you're in it. Now you're really in it, cooking. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the main topic I want to talk about for this show is because I just went through it, uh, was the road trip. Uh-huh. You know? uh, we went to Colorado, we went to uh, Arizona, we went to Texas. Uh-huh. That's like in four or five days, driving 12, 14 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Days. You know, um, I got, we got back like at two in the morning and I went to work at five. Oh, Jesus. I've, I've, I've had, uh, you know, uh, had shows like that where, uh, I think one time I drove from San Antonio to Houston, which is about three and a half was well, outside of Houston on the other side. So it was about four hours each way. And I think I had like walking pneumonia. So mm-hmm. I finished teaching a, a defensive driving safety class. I was done by 4 PM. I hit the road. And I did the show in Houston at nine, hit the road in Houston at like probably 11 or midnight, drove another four hours back, got, you know, three hours of sleep all while just, you know, just Fleming everywhere. I mean, I had like thick, you know, membraney mucus coming out, coughing like like a jackass, Uh, you know, driving four hours each way. And then, you know, sleeping two, three hours and then having to teach again the next day. And I was like, uh, after that, I was just like, all right, th- this was dumb. But, you know, once you say yes to the gig and, and you don't want to cancel and then especially if you're getting booked by someone the first time and yeah. then you cancel and it's like, you know, it's one thing if you built up a rapport and a relationship and just like, oh, hey, I can't make it. I'm sick. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no worries. But. Uh, yeah, there's been plenty of times where, uh, you know, you just fly into crazy places late at night and then, you know, you line something up. But, you know, I think throughout the experience, we'll, I think we both learned, oh, hey, give us a little, you know, day off buffer zone. Yeah. No. We're going back. Because I know when I got back, I literally stayed in bed for, I think, 12, 18 hours straight. I think I only left to go pee and get water. Yeah, lucky. I went to work. I slept for like those two, three hours, went to work. Yeah. Came home, I took a nap for an hour and then uh, I went to the mic. You know, like Yeah. And I and I know like uh, you know, you and, and a couple other cats that I've been on the road with where it's like when we get back, the first thing they want to do is like do another open mic just so that all the other open micers are like, So how was it? How, you know, you have the <laughs> smell of the road on you. 
And, you know, and I've been there too, or, you know, you feel like a big shot. You're like, yeah, I was in El Paso uh, last night. It was pretty sweet. You know, it was, uh, it's pretty cool seeing, uh, you know, doing comedy in different places. And, you know, so I, I get it, but you know, now it's just like, eh, you know, yeah. it sucks that when you get used to it and you're just like, ah, it's part of the, that's part of the job. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie. It was kind of cool. People could ask me like, yeah, you know, you know yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I truthfully, truthfully, I didn't go just for that feeling that kind of escaped me, uh, but it was cool. It was really cool. People were like, Oh, how was the show? And I got to talk about it Yeah, being on the road with you guys. I can't really talk to you guys about it. Cause you were, we were all there. Yeah. I can't be like, Hey, did you guys see me? Of course you saw me. You were there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, um, tell me, tell me like, cause this was like my real first road trip experience, you know? Yeah. So uh, uh, tell me about yours. The first time you went on a, a little tour or whatever with, you were you were with a couple of people i don't know i don't know what your experience was yeah uh so i've, I've done like touring touring and the, and that's a whole new eye-opening experience of when you're on the road like two weeks straight and you know doing like 11 gigs and 14 nights in 10 different cities and so i've done that but my first road trip uh for comedy was uh i was probably doing comedy four or five months and i got booked to do you know like less than 10 minutes in a showcase in Corpus Christi, Texas, which is about two hour, two and a half hours from San Antonio. And my dad was excited. My dad was the driver. So my dad drove us down there. Uh, we went and got some food at Chili's right around the corner from the venue. And uh, we did the show there and I got paid $25, which, you know, barely it, it covered gas for, you know, going back and forth. And, you know, I wanted to give it to my dad and my dad was like, no, keep it. That's your comedy money. And my dad was more than happy to, to kind of, uh, you know, support and drive me back and forth. Then we drove back that night and, um, yeah, got back home. But, uh, yeah, that was my first like road gig was Corpus Christi, Texas, home of Selena, home of Whataburger. <laughs> um, so, uh, that was pretty fun. And then as far as like kind of solo touring, uh, probably like doing, you know, three, four shows on a weekend, you know, like leaving on a, on a Wednesday, coming back on a Sunday, just hitting like different stops in, in Texas, uh, two, three years ago, I did seven shows and seven nights in Texas. Uh, me and my buddies, uh, Anthony Chavaria and John Tuttle, and we were crisscrossing all across the state, you know, South, Northeast, you know, West going all over the damn place doing shows. And, uh, but really, um, you know, it's those big long tours that I did when I opened for uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, a retired WWF uh, pro wrestler. And those, you know, we'd be at home for a while. It's like, oh, we're itching. Let's get back on the road. And then sure enough, four or five, you know, nights into it, we're like, ah, oh, why did we say yes to this? I'm going to be back home. I want to sleep in my own bed because you got to you got to imagine you know, you get to a town, you check into the hotel room, um, you know, uh, probably shit shower and shave uh grab something to eat head to the venue start setting up the merch table um sell some stuff before the show and at times it would just be jake and i so i'd be the one driving checking in having to search of like what restaurant he wants to go to if he wants steak if he wants sushi um you know then i'd handle all the the paperwork and the and getting the check from the venue at the end of the night sometimes we'd be doing venues that uh, were bars and they don't do a lot of comedy. So I'd have to take the staff aside and take the, the manager aside. And, hey, no drinks in the blender tonight. Keep your voices low. We're turning off all, all the TVs. We're going to 
you know, work on the lighting, no colored lighting on the stage. Um, let's move the tables in a certain way. So you'd have to basically turn. Uh, and that's just experience I had from producing shows and bars on my own. And I was able to kind of bring that experience on the road when we would go to these kind of like smaller hole in the wall places. And, and, and you, you kind of, I don't want to say you have to act like bad cop, but you kind of have to act like a manager and just go, well, I don't care if they don't like me after this. We want to make sure that everybody has a good show so that the people that visit the venue will come back for another show. And they all understood that. It's not like I snapped at anybody, yelled at anybody. It was just like, Hey, let's make this the best experience possible. Um, you know, then I, uh, and then on top of all that, I'd have to do my, my 25 to 35 minutes on stage, bring up Jake. And then while he was on stage, I'd go double check with uh, uh, the merch table and, uh, you know, get stuff ready for when he gets off a of stage. So I could be at the table and, and take photos and take money and, and try to sell my stuff as well. And then pack everything up. And, uh, you know, if we get something to eat afterwards, you know, we do that or just go to the hotel room and, and Jake was an early riser and, and we'd wake up at 7am usually the next day and, and do it all over again. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd probably be only like four or five hours in between gigs just because uh, Jake couldn't be in the car that long. Uh, but again, I, I think at one point we did one tour and it was like Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin. And I kept the hotel key from every show and uh after like you know two weeks i had like 11 different room keys and did like a little video and and uh i was like oh this is this is the stuff you dream about you know so yeah, yeah that's, that's cool that's cool you were um you were doing a lot on that tour then you weren't just doing comedy you were doing manager work like you said right stuff. yeah you were a one-man band for that yeah lackey stuff you know and then uh, checking in with, you know, the, the home base of like, Hey, we're low on this, you know, send more of this or, Hey, uh, go pick up, um, you know, more headshots at this FedEx store. Cause that's where we had it shipped to, yeah. or, you know, Oh, we're out of the, the paint markers, you know, to sign shit. So you have to go and make sure you get more of those, uh, you know, the markers and then, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's more than just like, oh, let me go from city to city and tell jokes, especially if you're basically caretaking or, or being someone's, um, what do they call it? Uh, I always think of it like CIA, if you're being someone's handler, you know? Yeah. And then uh, with Jake, especially too, he, was, he would do conventions on the weekends, right? So during the day, we'd be at these conventions, selling stuff, talking to people, taking photos, and then we'd wrap at five just to do a show at eight, you know? in the same city at another venue that could be five minutes away or, or, you know, half an hour away or, or longer. Um, but, um, you know, versus if I'm, you know, when I did the seven shows in seven nights, we, you know, I was kind of like headlining the tour and it was just like, all right, let's, you know, get to the next hotel, chill and, and then do the show and then repeat the next day. Right. And I mean, that's a good point. Cause I, uh, I really didn't know what to expect. I knew we were going to go driving. We're going to do yeah. comedy. Um, yeah. but, and Oh, then we also did press too. You know, when I was with Jake, we do radio interviews and then I'd have to schedule phone interviews and, and all this kind of stuff. While we were, while I was driving, he'd be, and I'd have to do all the driving because Jake has pins in his neck. So he can't be driving, moving his neck around. So, right. uh, but yeah, go, uh, you were saying, um, yeah, so I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew we were driving, we we're doing shows. Um, and then you at the last minute, you jump onto, onto the trip with us. 
and then you bring your cameras um, and then yeah. you started filming and taking photos at the different shows, even the ones that you weren't performing in. Um, and then that, that was kind of a little eye opener too. Like, oh, okay. Um, you don't, you can do yeah. just comedy or you can do extra. You know? Yeah. Supplemental. Well, uh, yeah. You, you know, we, we all realize, especially in this day and age where we're basically all our own networks, you know, we're all our own broadcast networks and, you know, we can't look for somebody you know, you can't be on somebody else's camera. You have to be in front of yours. Yeah. And, um, you know, and again, I, w- I want to make, uh, if, if there's anything I could do to, to help somebody else out that won't cost me too much time or money or whatever, I'm more than happy to do it. Cause I know that, you know, it'll, it might come back to me. It might not. I don't, that's not why I do it, but it's like, you know, I got a badass camera. My, why not take some photos of the show to get some, you know, headshots for, for, uh, newer comics or comics that can't, afford to get their own headshots but i'm like here i took a couple shots and then uh you know sometimes they're like hey how can i you know or, you know and i'm like uh how can they repay me or whatever i'm like ah, if you got a couple bucks you know venmo me some money or you know put in a good word for me or or tell them not to worry about it and uh for the most part you know it's been working out pretty well so uh, uh and then plus you know you never know what's going to happen on stage you want to record every set and you know, we were at that roast battle show and there's that lady that was, was getting roasted for heckling the show. And then later on, she ended up in the parking lot. Didn't, I didn't record that. I thought that'd be too crass, but uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was like, I have my, you know, cause at the end of the night, I want to be able to chill and not have to worry where all my equipment's at and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Right. No, um, definitely. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it, it's cool or it's eye opening knowing that, do there's that you know like hopefully in a few years or whatever um i go on doing shows and stuff featured headliner maybe you know whatever and it was cool seeing all this stuff um, okay maybe i should have my own equipment to film myself because you're right i might have a great set that night it could be something amazing and i can use that in the future when someone's like hey do you have a a video tape of yourself like here you go yeah you don't want to miss out on something great because you didn't feel like recording Plus, uh, you also want to try to upload, even if you don't publish the videos, upload everything to YouTube just to, to keep a backup. And then two, um, if there's a joke that you've written that's, you know, that you came up with, it, it's your idea and, and you have a video of it and you uploaded it, you know, three years ago. And now there's a new guy you doing that same joke. You can go, actually, I've been doing it for three years and then publish the video and go, well, it was uploaded on this day. Here it is. And then boom, that that takes out you know, any, any kind of, um, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say blowback, but any, you know, it just puts the odds in your favor and you have evidence and whatnot. Cause I've, you know, like I, I do that ranch bit of like, Oh, a server came up to me and brought me ranch without asking. And then there's a guy out of LA who does something simply. It's like a similar, um, it's a similar setup, but I have a different punchline and I feel like mine's different enough. And, and I know I didn't take it, you know, and I have video of me doing it from, you know, three, four years ago. So I'm not like too worried about it. If somebody yeah. brings it up, I go, eh, you know, mine's different enough. And, and here's proof that I've been doing it, you know, this long and whatnot. So, yeah, that is a good tip. Cause I, it had crossed my mind. Cause I've, you're right at the beginning, you mentioned like, you'll see people do jokes and you're like, Oh, that's kind of like mine or similar or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's actually a good tip. Upload everything just in case, just, in thing, case. you know, and you can kind of do it with tweets too, but there's, you know, with everyone, with so many comics out there and so many content creators, you know, everybody has their hot take. And if you're doing topical stuff, it's easy to kind of overlap and do the, 
the same kind of things. And, and, uh, um, so, you know, if there's any advice I could give is just like, you know, right from your point of view, right, right from the well, that is Johnny Castillo. Cause nobody else is Johnny Castillo. Only you are. It's true. Except so. some other Johnny Castillo. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is a pretty common name. <laughs> yeah, but I, know, I, get what, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Definitely. Right. What you know, what you experience. don't copy someone else. Um, so talking about your, your road gigs though, um, when, when did you feel comfortable enough to like, let me go on a, an actual road gig, an actual three, four or a two week trip. Like, when did you feel like I'm at this level? Um, uh, okay. Well, I'll give you, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you this version or I think what, this is what I think you mean. This is when I felt comfortable being on the road was when I would go to faraway places and I would be worried about if my jokes would work. I, that was, that was like something I had in the back of my mind. Cause when I started touring opening for Jake, you know, we went nationwide and I didn't, you know, I came up in Texas and I didn't, I don't think I left the state of Texas for a gig until I was like four or five years in. Cause Texas is just huge as shit. You know, you go four in San Antonio, you go four hours in any direction. You're still in fucking Texas, you know? Uh, so out here in Vegas, you go four hours in any direction. You could be in LA, Salt Lake city or Phoenix, you know? Uh, but one of the, one of the things in the back of my head was like, Hey, are my Texas jokes going to work in New York? Hey, are my Texas jokes going to work in Seattle? Hey, is, is, you know, the jokes about me and this and all that, my references about, you know, Hispanics, Mexican culture, is that stuff going to work in Canada? When I found out that my stuff worked everywhere and I was even getting better responses than I would back home, then I was like, yo, okay, I'm on to something, you know? Um, Cause even the first time I visited Vegas, um, uh, I did some shows out here and I was like, let's see how, how my stuff travels. Let's see how it works in Vegas. And, you know, I did a couple guest sets and just got great responses. And I was like, okay, you know what, if I move to Vegas, I think I'd, I'd do okay out here. And then sure enough, I got asked to, to move in with Jake the snake in Vegas a couple of years ago. And that's another trip. You know, when, when somebody used to watch on TV, asks you to move in with them. And uh, one of my friends kind of uh, compares it to, he goes, dude, you, you got Jake the snake and DDP helping you out with your biggest problem, you know, losing weight. And my buddy Alonzo goes, that'd be like if Han Solo and Spider-Man asked me to move into the Millennium Falcon to, to you know, help me kick alcoholism. Uh, that's, that's what that feels like. I was like, oh, that's a good way of putting it, you know. So I, uh, I think I, I think that kind of goes along with what, what you were kind of getting at. It's like, oh, will my stuff work? And then finding out that it did and it still does. And I'm like, okay, good. Because I was like, yo, are they going to get my queso joke out here in Canada? Do they know what queso is? And sure enough, my first show in Canada, which means I'm an international comedian now. <laughs> um, they, there was a billboard for a, um, a Qdoba and it said queso, queso, queso. And it was advertising the three different queso dips they had. And that was on a bus stop ad right outside of the hotel room we were at in Canada. And I was like, okay, I think they're, I think they're going to get this. And then uh, it ended up working out great and uh, had a fun time in Canada and and definitely want to go back there. It looks cool. Um, Yeah, no, you went in depth with the question, which is cool. I was going to follow up. Uh, But I think what I really wanted to get at is like, when did you feel comfortable enough to try it? Like, what was the thing that's like, I feel confident enough in these jokes. Let me take them 
out of here. Let me take them out of my hometown. Let me... Um, I think it was just like, uh, you know, just getting booked. You know, if somebody okay. says, hey, you want to do a show in Dallas? You go, yeah, I want to do a show in Dallas. I want to see how my stuff works out there. And I've uh, I've never, you know, if if I'm tagging along with somebody or, you know, I've, I've always been kind of gung-ho of like, all right, let's try this out. I think the, the bigger challenge or where I kind of had some trepidation or whatever is if you're like the headliner and you're going to a spot you've never been to before and you don't know, you know, are they going to have local comics? Are they going to suck? Are they going to bomb? And then you kind of have to save the show. You know, you have to be the reason uh, why people pay their $10 to get their money's worth. And um, that, that is the challenge. And I don't think a lot of people think about that when they think of comedy, it's like, yo man, I'm like seal team six, man. They dropped me in the middle of nowhere and some, some bumfuck bar in the middle of nowhere uh, in front of all these people I've never bet before. And I better be fucking funny. So, <laughs> yeah, no. so, you know, they're happy. And then what happens nine times out of 10, you go to these little places and they treat you like a rock star. Cause you're like, man, I can't believe you're, you're doing something like this in our, in our tiny little town. Thank you so much. And then, you don't, you know, you don't pay for a drink that night, you know? Um, so I, th- I think that's a, one thing people don't understand. And, and that's the challenge I look forward to now is like, yo, where we're going tonight, you know, put me in coach. I got this, you know, that's awesome. Okay. So for you, then I, I my understanding is for you is when somebody was believed enough in you to book you and that was like, all yeah. right, I'm ready. You know, someone yeah. says I'm ready. I'm ready. Again, it's going back to what my buddy Tommy Munoz said. You know, if somebody asks you to do a show, you get the opportunity to say yes. And then if you fuck up, it was their fault for booking you. Then they can be like, oh, maybe you weren't ready for this. Or, oh, my God, you did great. We want to have you back. You know, that's the ultimate goal. So that's good because I know um, I've had I have Ryan in the past. And one of his tip was like, you know, just ask, you know, ask yeah. to be on as many shows as you can get on. Um. And it's, I've had other people who's like, well, I, who said I'm waiting for someone to reach out to me because I want to make sure I'm good enough. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'd say a little column a, a little column B, you know, um, you know, sometimes people that ask a lot, you know, it's good, you know, like, um, you know, was it squeaky wheel gets the grease? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I'm the type of person where, <laughs> I always think of like, let me offer you something versus, you know, like, oh, okay. okay. You know, like one, I, I like if somebody's eager, but I also like it if like, for example, if you came along with Adam to a show I was booking and I could be like, Hey, I got extra five. You want to do it? You know, versus, and then, I mean, cause you know, you get people all the time, especially someone who's booked shows. I, I like to go out and find the talent I want on the show and then book it the way I want to uh and then sure enough you get you know you still get people that are like they show up on the day of asking for a guest spot and things like that and you're like uh, you know like uh so you got to make special you know caveats or, or see what you could do there um and that's just you know i like to like to book in a prepared way so i think it's all about like um you know towing that line and if it's you know if it's a booker that you know that you've worked with before then sure yeah ask away uh, if it's somebody you don't know and, and, you know, you could try to cold call them or, or be like, Hey, I'm going to be in town. Can I, you know, I would open up with, Hey, can I swing by and check out the show? And then once you get there, like, Hey, is there any time, you know, I'm down to do it. Um, but you know, I've, I've learned from other comics when you're at a comedy club, one, always be ready, be in your show clothes. Don't show up at the comedy club wearing shorts and flip-flops 
because you might be thrown up on stage. It's happened to me before. I was hanging out doing door guy stuff or hanging out just, you know, selling weed to the wait staff. And they're like, oh, hey, so-and-so didn't show up. We're going to throw you on stage. All right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tip. That's a, another good tip. I know sometimes yeah. I'm just like, I'm just bummy, but that's a good thing to keep in mind. Like, always be prepared because you never know. Yeah, absolutely. And you can have uh, make or break moments. And, and I remember one night, uh, Ralphie May was showing up late and uh, the, the manager, Jeff, English guy, uh, Ralphie was telling him, oh, push the show half an hour. And Jeff was like, no, we start on time here. And so Jeff came up to me and he's like, uh, he's like, Alex, do you want to go on stage tonight? And I was like, and it was sold out 400 people in the room. And I was like, hell yeah. So I went in the green room bathroom. I splashed water on my face, like an eight mile moment, you know, and I had my show shirt in my backpack and I threw on my, my show t-shirt and I uh, texted my sister of like, I'm going to open for Ralphie May. It's a sold out crowd. And I ended up doing 30 minutes and had a great set. Uh, brought up his openers and I got a lot of good response from, from his fans that night. And some people were, were posting, you know, like, Oh my God, you did better than Ralphie. And I was like, don't fucking tag him in it. Don't show him this, you know, but he, he made light of it too. And uh, when he brought when he went up on stage, he was like, Hey, did y'all see bizarro me up here? <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 You never know when, uh, you know, when you're going to be on stage next. So, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So obviously you're, you're headliner, you know, you traveled international comic, as you said, <laughs> uh, you know, people know you around here town and everything. You got a big following in Texas. I picked up on that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So, you know, you've been successful up till now, but I, I want to know the, Until the now. <laughs> I want to know the real answer. So I want to hear of your, your worst road show ever. Cause we all know it happens. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you're a great guy. I'm not just yeah, yeah, yeah. had your okay. great moments, but I like to hear sometimes like, well, it was one time. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's been times where you show up to the show and then the promoter's like, Hey, we're going to have to cancel. And I'm like, yo, I drove four hours to be here. What the fuck you mean? This is canceled or, you know, where the turnout is low or I'm trying to think of the last time where was... I always try to make the best out of any situation, you know? Uh, and I think it's something I do in my own head where even if I'm working like recently working with a new promoter or working at a new venue or somewhere where they don't do comedy and it's just like, well, let's see what kind of shit show it's going to be. And then it, you know, it's one of those things is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And, uh, luckily I've been able to kind of, um, pull some of those stops out, but there's, there's been, uh, and really, there's not one that really comes to, to my mind. I mean, sure, there's been shows with low turnout, but you just kind of mess with that and, and you address it and you kind of do some crowd worky stuff or, or you know, you make fun of, uh, you know, <laughs> of, was everybody else in a warrant roundup? What happened? You know, uh, I mean, yeah. that's cool. I mean, that, that speaks to the caliber of a comedian, you know, like because I've seen some shows where like they're, they're pretty bad, like, uh, but to be like in the mentality, like, oh, I'm gonna make the best out of it. Yeah. And then you just flip it. And he's like, you know what? It was pretty bad until he got up there and he somehow made magic out of only me and one other person in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Nothing really. Uh, and you know, what's going to happen as soon as we're done with this, I'm like, Oh, there was this one time where this and this and that and that, uh, or sometimes, you know, the promoter doesn't have all the money or, or, and that's another thing too. If you, if you do a show and there's low turnout, and the promoter's like, ah, we can only give you this much. 
you know, like, you know, work with them the first time, you know, but if they keep doing it, then you stop working with them. You know, uh, there was one time I worked with a promoter in San Antonio, they shorted me and I was like, you know what? I get it. You know, it's not like I don't see them walking off with money bags while here I am scraping by. Uh, but a comic I was on the show with, they shorted him $10 and he lost his shit. He went off on them in, in person, online, on Facebook, and they never worked with him again. And I kept working with that uh, uh, duo. And I think two or three shows later, they gave me a bonus of a hundred bucks just because they're like, Hey, that's to make up for that one show and for being cool. And, 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 you know, this and that. And I was like, Oh, cool. Thanks. You know, like, yeah. So. No, that's 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 awesome that's good because oh. you're right you know like i can understand it too like there's only two people that show up for a show yeah you know they're not gonna make money they're probably gonna lose money and then like you mentioned you gotta keep networking being social yeah you gotta work as one if you know you're not gonna get booked if you're like that guy flipping out over 10 bucks like yeah and then bucks. when when i would book shows and, and run shows uh produce shows i always had the money for the performers like in, in envelopes and I would pay them before the show. I would treat performers the way I'd want to be treated. So if I show up to your venue and the first thing you do is give me the money for it, I'm going to be like, all right, I got to earn this. The pressure's on me now, mm -hmm. you know? Because, uh, oh, do you know what? There is a, I did a college gig one time and I bombed my fucking tits off. Like just did horribly. And it was like out of black college. And uh, I, I was making fun of how uh, I was doing stripper jokes and then, these group of guys were like laughing around this girl pointing at her and then me like an idiot go, Oh, okay. Are you a stripper? And then she just kind of like shut down. And I just went, Oh yeah, that was probably bad in hindsight. And then you kind of feel guilty getting paid at the end of the night. You're like, yeah, I need this for my phone bill. So, <laughs> you know, there, there was a part of me that was like, you can't ask for money after that, but you kind of have to, you know, you were booked, you did your, and I did my time. That's the other thing is, do your goddamn time that you're, you know, uh, uh, booked for. And then that way nobody can quibble about if you should get paid or not. So. All right. Definitely. Uh, uh, keep that in mind. Do not call out strippers at a high a college. <laughs> well, it, 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 I was, it was pretty early in my experience where I think my reading of the crowd and the situation wasn't, you know, where it is now, obviously. And really? Yeah, where I I Kool-Aid now would have handled that a lot differently than the Kool-Aid back then. I mean, I'm I'm playing the scenario in my head and I think you're probably I probably would have done the similar thing if I was yeah. doing stripper jokes at a college and then there's some girl and I'm like, there, that's the one. But you're right. I probably would have done the same thing until I got the experience. So Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that that's, that's cool. The, yeah, that's that the other thing too, is like uh, you know, we have to we're reading crowds of people, you know, in nanoseconds, you know, uh, we're reading a room of 30, a room of 50, a room of a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred people. We're constantly reading their reactions back and forth, back and forth. So, you know, it, it sharpens your skills so that when you meet a person, one person, uh, or you're even doing crowd work with someone, you can pick up on a lot of stuff of, uh, you know, how they're dressed, what they're wearing, um, you know, what kind of watch they have or shoes they have. And you can kind of like, uh, you know, uh, go from there from picking up those almost like Sherlock-esque visual cues. Uh, because again, we're, we're doing this nanoseconds at a time when we're on stage so that when you focus it on one person, you're, you can just break down a person like that much easier. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely agree. I know I noticed that 
uh, this Sunday on the show. Because um, I remember the first time when I noticed, like, you know, trying to just trying to do a joke, but at the same time trying to like watch an audience and then trying to process. That. I was kind of like overloaded at the first. I'm like, wait, I'm, wait, what joke was I on? Like, yeah. And then, I, and then, like, there was a, a comment some lady made, uh, and it was pretty impressive. That like, oh, I said something funny like that quick, where I didn't have to think about it. And I just yeah, and I didn't have to think. I didn't have to like stand there thinking like, what joke was I gonna do next? Yeah, yeah. And and me, I'm I'm bad about like, it depends. It depends on what rhythm I'm in. But sometimes somebody will say something, or uh, they'll, and it messes up either my timing or I go off on a tangent, and then it's like wait, where was I before? And then my set just looks like a total ADD thing of like, oh, everything worked well. You know, like uh, when we were in Phoenix, that's the way I felt about my set in Phoenix. Like the jokes hit, I got great responses, got good laughs, but it, you know, my only regret was the order of the jokes that I did, like what order they were in. Yeah. Uh, if I could change that, then I'd be a hundred percent happy with the set, but probably where I'm at now is probably like 85% happy. So yeah. I mean, and I really couldn't tell. And I've seen you, and I've seen those jokes plenty of times. I think there was only one joke. I'm like, well, that's a little different than usual. But for the <laughs> most part, I couldn't really tell, you know. And I yeah. think that's the the a big thing. You gotta sell your presence. You got they don't they don't know your jokes. They don't they yeah. haven't seen you every single night. You know exactly. Exactly. It doesn't matter what order you do your jokes. Uh, only you know that. Yeah. So to be able to do that and then still give off that confidence, like no, that's how it was supposed to go. Yeah. So you're back at the hotel and you're telling me like, man, that shit sucked. You know? <laughs> oh that i uh when i would tour with jake and his daughter his daughter was like she would kind of road manage us on stuff um so it usually be the three of us and then if she wasn't on the road i kind of take over some of her stuff um on the on the road but uh i would have you know she thought it was a killer set of like you know applause breaks and cheers and extended laughs and i'm just like oh i messed up that one joke here uh the, and it's good to be your own harshest critic, you know, you have to be. And because I, I never want to be satisfied. You know, there's there's some nights where few and far between where I'm like, yo, that shit was like a movie. Everything clicked, everything. I didn't want to get off stage. And there's probably like a handful or maybe 10 times that I can remember thinking that. But the rest is like, you know, it's like those are the sets I want to keep doing week after week or night after night yeah. after night. It's like, let me get to that perfect level and then see. You know, how can I go even higher? How can I make it better? Yeah, you want to keep chasing that high. Yeah, you're chasing that dragon. You know, I remember that first set I had where I just, you know, fucking remember killing it. And then when the host was like, give it up for Kool-Aid and I was walking off stage, the crowd erupting. And I was just like, oh, that felt good. Because I followed an Austin comic who ate shit. And before he went on stage, he was like, yeah, they're going to have to get the ambulances ready in here because I'm about to kill this shit. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay. And then he went up there and just fucking ate a bag of dicks. And then I went up after him and just murked it out. Just like, and uh, I have the audio recording of that set. I don't have the video, but I'll, I'll listen to it every now and then just to hear those cheers. And I'm like, yo, your boy did it. Your boy was <laughs> on fire that night. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I got to do more audio recordings at least. Cause you're right. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't video, like yeah definitely I don't record like video because you don't know what facial expressions you're doing or what physical things because uh you know tom rhodes taught this to me it was like tell the joke show the joke tell the joke show the joke you know and that yeah. kind of doubles your your stage time and uh you know that sometimes you can 
you know, like you saw me in Arizona, I was kind of going way slower than I usually do. Usually I'm kind of like, bah, 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 you know, I like to speed bag it, you know, but in Arizona, I just kind of took my time and let every laugh kind of, you know, die down until I started the next joke. Um, uh, so yeah, you know, those are, those are the, the, like the later meta meta games you can kind of play once, uh, you know, I don't want to say once you get bored of your set, but once you know your set, then you can start playing with what order you put them in, what transitions, what segues, what little tweaks and things you could do again with like maybe an eyebrow raise or, you know, me, I'll bulge out my eyes or I make my cute baby face, you know? So running out of time here, I don't want to keep you too long. Yeah. Uh, I got two more questions. First question is, uh-huh. uh, if, if you were going to schedule a tour right now, what would be your dream spots? What would you want to hit? Uh, just, you know, all, all the comedy clubs that want me back. So I, I, you know, of course hit all the, the improvs and the funny bones and, and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, the one club I keep hearing about time and time again on all the podcasts, uh, and just when we were up there was the Denver comedy works. Uh, so I hear great things about that. Uh, you know, I want to do some of the other improvs in Texas again, and, you know, for a full weekend and, uh, you know, I'd love to go back to, uh, New York. Cause I, I got great responses in New York to some of my like edgier, more kind of, um, uh, cutting edge stuff. Uh, so I'd love to, to kind of go out East. And I feel like a lot of comics, they go to New York, they go out East to get good. And then they go to LA to get famous. Uh, for me, I, you know, coming up in Texas and touring all over the place, I felt like, uh, you know, this is where I got good and maybe go to the East coast a little bit and get a little better. And then, uh, but I already know, like I have a product, you know, I have a solid set and I, I can, like I said, you can put me anywhere and I, I think I'll do all right. And, uh, and then, uh, go from there, you know, see, seeing, uh, what, what people, if people can make money off of me, <laughs> agents, managers, people like that. Yeah. That is the dream. All right. Uh, last question here to anybody, um, you know, thinking about doing comedy, starting comedy, uh, or to the young, uh, Alex back in the day, what's one piece of advice you would give that you wish you knew back then? Um, Hmm uh write every day and then uh you know watch good comedy watch the club headliners watch you know watch them do more than one set and see what they do different and see you know watch people that are better than you because you know iron sharpens iron hang out with the comics you want to be associated with hang out with the comics on whose shows you want to be with um you know because if you if you're an open micer and you hang out with other open micers, you're going to be an open micer. But if you're an open micer and you hang out with comics, you know, you're going to pick up more. You're going to absorb more. You're going to, um, you know, see some stuff here and there. Uh, so hang out, you know, with the level you want to be at, you know, I think that'd be uh, a good thing. And uh, yeah, write every day and uh, uh, do it for the love of comedy. If you love to make people laugh, then that's why you should do it. If you're doing it for money, then, uh, you're doing it for the wrong reason because uh you know i uh if if i can keep going and be comfortable and pay my bills on time and you know let's say you know i go to three different comedy clubs uh three weeks out of the month you know if i'm in a different comedy club every weekend uh or three of the four weekends in a month 
I'm happy. I'd be happy with that for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this moment's for you. Do you have anything you want to plug? I know you got Twitch. Uh, uh, you got yeah. Check me out on Twitch. Yeah, I play video games on there and sometimes I eat hot peppers while, while playing video games. So twitch.tv slash Y2 Kool-Aid. Um, just Y2 Kool-Aid is all my social media info. And uh, hopefully I can be at a comedy venue near you. If not, just follow me on all that social media stuff. I, I do a podcast with uh, retired pro wrestler Medusa, a.k.a. Alundra Blaze. That's on the adfreeshows.com network, and that's called Medusa's Happy Hour. And uh, we do that every other Sunday. And uh, let's, yeah, hang out. Let's talk wrestling, Ninja Turtles, nerd stuff, video games, Star Wars, and uh, and everything in between. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, again, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, good luck tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, hopefully we do this tour thing again. It was a lot of fun. A lot of Hell fun. Oh yeah. Let's. Uh, inside jokes. Uh. <laughs> All right, but you, awesome. know, you had a brief, brief bout with autism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cured now. I'm cured. There you go. Good. Good. <laughs> right, well, awesome, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks, thanks for having for me. Watching this. Good night. Oh, bye.